0: So I chose, well, I wrote down like a, a small list of topics and I'm going to get other people's opinions, but from the list that I have now, I just randomly chose a topic and I went with choosing comfortability slash or vulnerability. And I included that slash because I'm not really sure um, the directive of this conversation in terms of um, where I'm going to go with it. Because like I said... Unlike the other show, I really want to just kind of go off the dome here um, and not have it pre-written or, you know, whatever. I think that I speak better when I'm just naturally going off the cuff. So I chose choosing comfortability and vulnerability. Now, first, let me preface by saying I tend to look at relationships through a monogamous lens. Um and I understand that that's not everybody's relationship structure preference so I want to speak from my perspective and not from a uh, a general perspective and in that I want to make the effort of saying I instead of you because I think a lot of times on podcasts people speak in a very um general term rather than for themselves so I really want to stick to speaking for myself um because again, this whole thing, this whole extra show is a bit of a process for me. And it's me working on being transparent and um, more personable in expressing my views and, and, uh, and experiences and things like that. So I want to say that um, choosing comfortability or vulnerability, I absolutely believe is a choice. Um, now it may be an unconscious choice. It may be a conscious choice for some people, but for me personally, I feel as though there's a moment when a light bulb kind of goes off in my head and it's like, wow, I really feel comfortable with this person. I feel like I'll say that comfortability leads to vulnerability and the moment that I feel comfortable with a person that then encourages me to be vulnerable with that person, um, I think that in the experiences and relationships um, or situationships that I've had with people, um, I've been apprehensive because that comfortability or that vulnerability isn't always, I won't say respected, but um, people tend to disregard it or they don't appreciate it, especially in a... uh, male and male relationship interaction right so I think that it's important to establish boundaries when you're getting to know someone because the boundaries that you establish in the very beginning set a precedence for where the relationship is going to go and I feel like when you start a relationship with no boundaries and a person is allowed to violate you or you're allowed to violate them and there's no recourse for that, um, you set a precedence for... to continue that throughout the duration of the relationship, even once it's not a romantic relationship anymore and it may dissolve into a friendship. um, If you've never established boundaries with that person... Then, you know, it's really just a a relationship or friendship of convenience. But I found that the best way, you know, I I think a lot of people associate vulnerability or comfortability with being intimate with someone. And when I say that, I mean having sex with them. Because I view having sex with someone as a form of intimacy, but not as intimacy in its entirety. I think there's a level of in- intimacy that comes with comfortability and being able to, you know, tell someone when you don't feel okay, tell someone when they do something that offends you or that bothers you or that makes you feel uncomfortable. Um, and oftentimes, I think we're scared to do that because we're scared that it's going to run the person off. Um, well, at least I have, I have had that thought. Now, also, let me preface by saying I haven't been in a serious relationship in maybe five or six years. So I'm basing it off past experiences and not a present one. But I think that there's that beginning of a relationship where you're both where you're, you both are tiptoeing around um, an argument or creating discomfort with that person so you try to accommodate things that uh, you may not particularly like or care for and so i think in the journey to being comfortable and being vulnerable with someone you have to create those boundaries and once someone respects those boundaries i think you um you gain more respect for them right um when they show you how considerate they are or that they are listening to the things that are required to be in a relationship with you are required to um, fulfill your happiness, because I think that's the most important thing. If, if you're not in a relationship with someone to um, fulfill a level of happiness in your romantic life, then you're kind of wasting your time. Which is why I personally, um, you know, I can't do a non-fulfilling relationship or a non-fulfilling interaction where I'm constantly, um, in a miserable state or I'm feeling unwanted or disliked or, you know, disparaged in any kind of way. So, um... And that's probably why I haven't been in a relationship in a long time, because you you have to play a lot of games in relationships, which I don't really have time for anymore. And there's a level of competition competing to be in someone's life, especially in queer relationships. Um, you're competing with keeping someone's attention. You're competing with... Um, you know, them finding someone else more aesthetically pleasing and just everything emotionally uh, that you guys may have in common kind of gets thrown out of the window. But I say all that to say, um, where was I? I lost my train of thought. Oh, establishing boundaries with someone and them respecting those boundaries. I feel as though That's a a foundational part of um, creating any kind of successful relationship, be it romantic, platonic, whatever. Um, You have to have those boundaries, and you have to be comfortable with letting someone know when they do something that doesn't make you happy. But you also have to be uh, receptive enough to accept when you're doing things that doesn't make someone happy. Um I can think of a situation that I was in and you know, I expressed how I felt about certain things and that person their their interpretation of that was to continue doing those things, but without me knowing. And that's that's not, you know, that's not healthy for them or for you, right? Because if that if you're both consenting adults in this relationship, One person, one, shouldn't have to sneak and do things out of fear of offending you. Because it means that they don't care about that boundary that you established with them. But as long as you don't know about it, they don't mind violating it. But also, you can't allow a person to disregard your boundaries or violate your boundaries. And then you accept it back. You accept them back and... and you're willing to say, I'll forget about it, but then you keep rebringing it up or it's always in the back of your mind of how they aren't considerate of the things that don't make you feel good. If you're going to set a boundary, you have to set it. You can't verbalize it and then, you know, not act upon imposing it. And... I think the heart the the hard part for me in terms of vulnerability is feeling like a person will not weaponize it but disregard it. And I think to as a man having your feelings disregarded is something you know it's like a it's a one time thing. Once once it happens once then you're it's a tit for tat of um who can violate each other's boundary the most and that's completely unhealthy it's completely counterproductive to anyone being emotionally happy or emotionally fulfilled and you're just becoming like placeholders in each other's lives um, when I think of like instances where I feel vulnerable and I feel comfortable with someone I think what got there was um, observing them. I'm a very observant person <laughs> um I feel like if you know me, that's one thing about me i'm I'm a very observant person, and I like to see how people um how people navigate when they think you're not watching them I like To see how a person conducts themselves, conducts those around them in their lives, how they manage their relationships, because I think it's very telling of how they um, how they fit you into their lives and how they accommodate you in their lives and also how you accommodate them. Because if you I've also been in an instance where a relationship began to feel like a task or a chore And that actually ended up being one of the most miserable, like, feelings I ever had when a person that you're supposed to be in a relationship calls you and you answer the phone really annoyed or you find yourself really annoyed when you're on the phone with them because you just, you know, there's nothing there. But both of you are afraid to in that situation. And so you're just kind of tolerating each other. And that's when the comfortability, the comfortability and vulnerability is gone, right? Because once one person violates the other person's uh, commitment or boundary to the relationship, then it's 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 gone, and it's it's there's no feeling there. The relationship more is just an obligatory action. It's like smoking, where once you smoke so much weed. You don't actually smoke to get high. You just smoke to go through the motion of smoking, right? And I think a relationship can be similar to that where you're just going through the motion of being in a relationship. This is someone I can regularly have sex with. This is someone who I can vent my frustrations with everybody else to. But there's no real emotional attachment here. It's just kind of... um, just an an obligatory interaction with someone but to me comfortability and vulnerability really happens when I observe um, I observe how someone views me in their life how someone values me in their life Um, because you know that's another big thing is value and how much someone values you in their life Um, And you can tell that in, you know, one of my, this is a bit of a side thing, but one of my big pet peeves in a relationship is someone who is so like indebted to dedicating their time to their friends, right? Everything is about their friends. Everything is about. Performing their relationship For their friends And don't get me wrong Now I don't have a million friends So this is probably why This is something that annoys me um, But I have dated people With lots of friends Or I've talked to people With lots of friends And I find that a lot of times They want you to perform For their friends they, They've they built you up As some a certain way And they want you to perform That way for their friends So they can show that this is the person that I've told you about and I've and I've had instances like that where I've dated people and I've built them up to my friends and I hope they live up to the expectation of because when you really like someone and you build them up to your friends right you kind of hope they live up to all the hype that you've spent months or weeks building them up to be. so I I totally understand that but um I hate when I feel like I'm competing with your friends for your affection. Or I feel like I'm competing with your friends for your time. Um, when, especially if your friends are committed to their relationships, but you are committed to them and, and your relationship is, is kind of secondary to that. Um, that's when my comfortability and vulnerability goes away. Um, so, you know, yeah, don't, don't, don't make me second fiddle to your friends. I'm not a big fan of that. Um, but also I think being receptive is another way of creating that healthy, uh, vulnerable environment for somebody You know, when I can, when I can express something to someone and their initial reaction isn't to be defensive or argumentative or contrary, just for the sake of being contrary, um, that helps. And I found that in dealing with men in particular, um, they like to be argumentative and they like to be contrary and, and, you know, always being on the opposite side of your opinion, that's something else that really, like, drives me up the wall. And I find that even when I'm, like, when someone calls themselves, like, flirting with me, like, on social media or something, like, a guy will um, make sure to have a contrasting opinion to something I say or an argumentative opinion to something I say. And it's like you're not turning me on. You're actually really annoying me. And it's not, you know, guys have this thing of like being argumentative somehow is going to lead to like, I don't know, maybe some weird hot sex scene (laughs) where like you're supposed to get turned on by being argumentative with them. And it's actually really annoying. Um, Like there's someone I really like now and Almost everything that I say, there's always this needing to be the the opposition to everything. And it's like, instead of endearing me to you, it's actually really annoying. And it's actually, like, I couldn't imagine if I had to share a space with you on a regular basis, or I had a child with you, and we had to, like, be around each other all the time, that everything I would say, you would be. Intentionally opposing to those things. And again, that goes back to creating a level of comfort, comfortability and vulnerability and fostering a healthy environment for a relationship. Um, I don't want someone who's always argumentative. I don't want someone who's always a differing opinion. Like, that's not to say that I want a yes man or a yes person in my life, but if we vastly disagree on a lot of things i i then have to you know reevaluate how important we are to one another if that makes any sense right the idea that opposites attract the older i get the less i believe that because i don't i don't think that opposites necessarily attract i mean opposites can find things in common but I I don't think that opposites attract necessarily. You know, even someone having a different, a vastly different taste in music or musical artists, I think creates a level of annoyance between you and that person. And you kind of view them a little bit differently. And, you know, it's just, it's okay to, to have similarities with people. You know, the idea, it's it, it's just like, sometimes people will say well you need a dissenting opinion to things well not necessarily like i if if you're a a high enough level thinker that you know the opposing thought i don't need someone to argue with me all the time or i don't need a dissenting opinion in order to just to have one like everything is not um in the social media age everything is about there needs to be a contrast there needs to be a representative for everything every opposing view and i i just i find that to be very exhausting and very toxic and just unnecessary you know i like to find someone who i have commonality with and things that we do differ on we're we're both so willing to compromise on those things that the the act of compromising makes us stronger. Um as opposed to just always nipping at each other or everything we do is so different. You know, that idea of opposite attracting, it may work for other people, but for me I the older I get the more annoyed by it I am. And I just I don't always want to Excuse me, I don't always want to deal with someone and their differing views or their differing opinions or their defensiveness on why they feel the way they do about something. I just don't have time for that. And I don't, I don't have the patience for it. Um, And I'm okay with not dealing with it as well. Like for me, comfortability and vulnerability is attached to having some sort of similarity with someone and cohesion with someone. Um, Because if you guys are unaligned, there's just going to be constant arguing and constant, you know, I have to have the last word. I have to be right. I have to stand my ground and state my opinion when you really don't. It's not, nobody's begging to hear that. So, um, yeah, I don't even know how I got on this. But I mean, I guess it it all ties to um, comfortability and vulnerability in fostering a healthy environment, right? Even with your friends, even with your relationship, even with your family members, there has to be, uh, I, ha- for me, I have to be in a healthy environment. I can't be in a toxic environment. I can't be in an environment which um, gives me anxiety or constantly pushes me to being not pleased about something and so i feel like you know i've worked really hard to especially like in instances with family you're not you're you're gonna disagree with family the most and that's okay but if 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 they're not fostering a healthy environment for you you have to distance yourself from that you know and that family is almost your obligatory relationship so relationships and friends you know you you really don't have to be in environments with these people and they're not they're not making you feel healthy they're not making you feel positive and optimistic and and in a good space relationships that exhaust you and drain you and border on abusing you emotionally they're not healthy and you should get away from them and you should be by yourself because you're, you're always going to agree with yourself. You're always going to foster the best environment for yourself. But if someone is constantly making you stressed and making you anxious and making you disengage from any sort of communication with them, that's not healthy and it's not conducive to your existence beyond the relationship you have with them. So I guess for me... You know, if I had like a checklist of of what contributes to me being comfortable and ultimately me being vulnerable is having my boundaries respected, um, having my presence respected, um, being appreciated in a healthy manner. You know, the opposing side to that is, like I said in another video, is I always see memes about wanting someone who's obsessed with me. I don't want someone who's obsessed with me. That's unhealthy. That's not necessary. Why are you obsessed with me? Like when you really break that down, you should never be obsessed with a person. I don't want... If I feel like I'm obsessed with a person, I need to go find something to fucking do. I need to go find a hobby. I need to go find a book to read. I need to go find a movie to watch. There's no reason why I should be obsessed with another human being, you know? If, if if they're fulfilling me in a physical way, in an intellectual way, in an emotional way, in a psychological way, I should get it from their actions and our interactions. There's no need for me to be obsessed with someone. And I feel like this, you, you know, that that then begins to border on fueling narcissism and needing someone to be obsessed with you in order to feel good about yourself. And. I just... I, I'm not that kind of person. I feel good about myself when I wake up in the morning. There's there's no obsession that a person can have with me that is going to encourage me to feel differently about myself than I already do. And I, I just... You know, I usually give this... I don't even want to make it a generational thing because there's a lot of people older than me who have these kind of beliefs. So... It's just that when I see memes that say stuff like that, if I need someone who's obsessed with me, I need someone who's on me all the time. Why? Why do you want someone who's on you all the time? That's annoying. That's that's aggravating. That's You don't want individuality. You just want someone to hawk over you all the time. And that's actually a, 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 a form of abuse someone who if you are you already have parents why do you want why do you want your spouse to be your parent why do you want your spouse to to watch over you like a hawk like a helicopter and constantly be monitoring what you're doing cuz they're obsessed with you i just find that to be the most unhealthy narcissistic narcissistic fueling self absorbed thing you know, like you that, you need someone to be obsessed with you in order to feel good or in order to feel um, appreciated in a relationship. But back to <laughs> creating a comfortable and vulnerable environment in those in what that consists of. Um, you know, making making one another feel appreciated, creating spaces where. People can say things that aren't going to be weaponized against them when you guys get into an argument. You know, I think that's something that people also have to get away from. I would say myself, but I don't think that I tend to do that. Um, Again, I haven't been in a relationship in a long time. But thinking back on, you know, the serious relationships that I've been in, I don't think that I weaponize instances of vulnerability against people. And it actually says a lot about your character, that you would um, take those moments and use them against somebody over some bullshit argument. That you would take someone's deepest secret or the things that they're confiding in you and you guys are arguing over who should have cleaned up what and you throw it in their face. You know, now if, if, if we're having an argument and we both know that this is fucking the final... You know, draw for blood, and we're never gonna get back together after this, and that's a different story. But I feel like, in terms of having disagreement, which you should have in a relationship, like I, I, I said that I don't like um, too much of a differing or dissenting opinion, but you're gonna have disagreements in a relationship. That's just human nature. But I think that you should be able to communicate and work through those things without weaponizing. Uh, instances of vulnerability that someone has had with you and using that to hurt their feelings in, in a momentary argument. Um, but for me, you know, back to the list of vulnerable and comfortable making things, um, it's also feeling like there's a never ending wealth of knowledge to have about someone You know, like even when I think I know everything about you, there's still more to learn um, because you're still learning about yourself and I'm still learning about myself. So, it, it, you know, as long as we're learning about one another together and learning things about ourselves with one another, you know, there may be things about myself that I'm learning by being with you. Now, you're not teaching me anything. I know. I saw something, um, Monique, who I love Monique, by the way, but you know, she was speaking about how her man, she feels like he is a father figure to her. I don't agree with that. (laughs) I don't agree with your spouse being your parent. I don't agree with, um, someone parenting you now educating you or fostering an environment where you're learning things about yourself. Great. I'm all for that. And I, 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 I love to be with someone who knows more than me or who's, you know, been in situations that I may be facing and they create an environment where it's okay for me to learn and evolve and progress as a person, but I don't need another parent, right? I've, I've learned enough from my parents to get to where I am. And you've learned, you should have learned enough from whoever your parental figure was. Now that could be your parents, that could be your uncle, that could be, um, you know, the maternal and paternal figures that you've had in your life. They may not even be related to you, but, um, you know, they've they've helped you mature into the person that you are today. But as far as parenting one another, eh, I don't have time for that. Um, also, I think that maintaining a friendship within a relationship is healthy. You know, even if we get to a point where maybe the romanticism isn't where it once was, there's still a connection to one another. I don't want to see you be hurt. I don't want to see you, you know fail at something I don't want to see you be distraught I still want to create an environment where you can you can truly express yourself and you can truly um, you know feel like your natural self and you're not having to perform for the sake of the relationship but you actually um you know, there's a, there's a friendship there. There's a sense of community there. There's a sense of warmth there that even if we're not romantically still where we once were, there's still a bond there and there's a respect of boundaries there that, you know, we can work our way back towards that. Um, because to me, intimacy, and this is really why... I want to go into uh, intimacy therapy and, and how to be intimate with another person beyond sexually. I think that intimacy really relies on trust and relies on knowing that even when the sex or the physical attraction is gone, that person still has your back in a way that your friends don't, in a way that your parents don't, in a way that Um, your peers don't, but you know, they're that, I believe that that person should be your recluse from everyone else when you need them and everyone else shouldn't be your recluse from them. You should be able to, you know, disclose things to them that you can't disclose in other spaces because let's be honest, when you fall out with your friends, they're going to throw things in your faces. In your face, excuse me, not your faces, unless you have multiple. Um, They're going to throw things in your face. When you fall out with your family, they're going to throw things in your face. When you have a disagreement with your parents, you know, that's so emotionally taxing. It's not necessarily that they're going to throw things in your face, which they may, but that's a different kind of taxing and emotionally, uh, emotional drainage. But I feel like your, your partner, and I use the word partner, Specifically because, you know, this person should be on your journey of helping you be a more fulfilled person, not your parent. They shouldn't be your parent. They shouldn't be your, you know, your everything, but they should be helping you on the journey to becoming more fulfilled as an individual. So that's also part of creating a comfortable and vulnerable environment, um, and sexually is, a, is another aspect of that, you know, and creating a space where you both are comfortable with, with sex and physicality and, and you're not, you don't feel ashamed of things, whatever that may be, how you look, how you perform sexually, um, How you feel in terms of sex I think you should be able to communicate Your discomfort with sex You should be able to communicate When you don't feel attractive You should be able to communicate When Um You don't feel like the affection is reciprocated That's all part of creating a comfortable And a vulnerable environment In my opinion Um I don't know how long have I gone. I've only gone 35 minutes here. Okay. I feel like I was talking forever. Um But yeah. I was mentioning, okay, I was mentioning um uh, the fostering of the comfortable and vulnerable environment. Um you know, really it's all a gauge of how a person fosters an environment that you're gonna be in a lot of the time. And if a person is willing to contribute their their uh, best attributes into helping you be a more fulfilled person, you know, like I, I'm not—I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a guarded person. I am guarded to a degree. I—I'm—that's I, been one of my biggest faults in relationships, and I think that that's why this topic. kind of stood out to me is that you know I've had to work on not being so guarded and not feeling like um, not anticipating disappointment and I think that that's really easy to do especially with men (laughs) Um, but not anticipating disappointment because oftentimes you have someone who really wants to be affectionate towards you and they really want to um, be that person in your life but if you're constantly anticipating disappointment then you 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 do them a disservice and you also do yourself a disservice because you're always on ready and you're always you know pessimistic and waiting for the negative to come when a lot of times a good person that isn't their intention And even if it may come off that way, if you don't communicate how it makes you feel, then um, you could misinterpret that or they could misrepresent that as something that it's not. So, you know, I um, I've had to do the work of of being more vulnerable, being more transparent and being able to receive when I don't get the response that I want back. Um, you know, and I always say that I've taken five or six years away from dating, away from a serious relationship because I feel that, you know, the next relationship I do have, I'm much more prepared to navigate that space and, and also to contribute to making a healthy environment for someone else. Um, because that's what I want to be. You know, I don't want to be someone's everything, but I want to be an outlet for them um, to be more comfortable and be more vulnerable with who they are as an individual. And uh, you know, for me, that took a while in not being so guarded and not being so reserved um, because I am I am those things to a degree, but at some point. A person gets tired of that <laughs> like just being honest and I I have found that that's always been one of my biggest um, one of my biggest drawbacks in a relationship is that I'm not always vulnerable and I'm not always um, giving of myself fully right I'm, I'm kind of like waiting for the other shoe to drop and I think that can be a very unhealthy way of going through relationships or just maintaining healthy relationships with people excuse me but maintaining healthy relationships with people and so you know I've worked to be more transparent I've worked to be more um, giving of who I am as a person and and I think it's made me better as an individual it's made me better in spaces with peers and with friends Um, because look when I'm when I'm disappointed I'm not going to be sad about it but I'm going to you know my my response to disappointment is usually typically to just keep moving and and not vocalize my disappointment with someone and that can be unhealthy too because you then begin to harbor resentment towards someone instead of communicating with them um, on how they made you feel, and you know, then you're you're going tip for tap with them. But that's another that's another point on the list, or another episode that you know we'll get into that more. But I just um, you know I didn't really have a list of 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 pinpointed things. That make me comfortable or vulnerable in a relationship. It's just it's a matter of feeling. It's a matter of honesty. It's a matter of communication. It's a matter of uh, you know just just feeling like I can I can truly express how I feel to someone and I'm not gonna be judged, I'm not going to be You know, it's not going to be weaponized against me. I'm not going to get pushback for it. And ultimately, it's not going to be an intentional contrarian disagreement. Because that shit's just annoying. I can't express that enough. Like, if you're listening to this, and for whatever reason, you really like me, or you think you like me, or you're attracted to me, or whatever the case may be, please don't do that. Please don't be argumentative. Please don't be contrarian for no reason and just I hate it I hate it I hate it but I want to stick on a light note and I want to end this on a light note um, and just say that create healthy environments for people that you are around whether they're your friends your relationship your peers at work your family if you're interacting with people foster environments that you want to be in right Project the energy that you want to receive, and that isn't always easy, but creating nasty environments helps to create nasty interactions, and that shit is just unnecessary. It gives you wrinkles. It creates stress. It makes you miserable. It makes you an awful person to be around, and you shouldn't want that. We're getting older. We're not getting younger. So let's, let's maintain some optimism. Let's maintain some support. Let's maintain um, creating healthy environments that we plan to occupy with other people. Because when we're not with those people and we have to sit with ourselves, we may end up very miserable. And being miserable and alone is not a good thing. You know being alone and being happy is a great thing but being miserable and alone is an awful thing and that usually comes back to you because that's the kind of environment that you're fostering with other people and you've got 10 daggers have that that one meme i don't know which cartoon is from where it's like a hundred daggers and it represents like you having an unpopular opinion that's how you feel when you're miserable and alone and you've created a nasty environment for everyone else around you and so you have 30 other people pointing nasty daggers back, back at you because that's what you bring out of people so let's let's create better spaces where people can be vulnerable and they can be comfortable and you are their outlet and their ray of sunshine rather than a cloudy dark negative presence in their life right all right so i'm going to post this i hope it sounds good i gave this 45 minutes um hopefully this is the start to more episodes like this um again i have two shows this one is my more personal show and then i have one where i will continue reviewing some reality shows um and get back in that fucking chaotic space right All right, so I appreciate you for listening, and until the next episode, thank you.